0: Good morning. Our Bible reading this morning is Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21, and on page 985. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me, up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven. Seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be paid to repay his debt. At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks so much, Susie. Please would you keep your Bibles open. We're going to be looking at Matthew 18. Uh, we're going to be looking at all of it. So if you could open your Bibles to that passage. And I've just lost mine, um, which is probably not helpful. It's on page 984, 85. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you speak to us and you you speak into our lives and you speak for our understanding and you speak because you want us to know you better and to love you more and to serve one another as we serve you. And Father, you want us as a community of Jesus Christ to be a blessing to our world. That's why you called us into existence so father please help us as we deal with our lives in the power of your spirit and as we listen to your truth through your word to us and we ask this in jesus name amen i want you to imagine you're not yet a follower of jesus christ you're thinking about it and you realize that if you do become a follower of jesus that will involve becoming part of a church a community of followers of Jesus Christ. You realize that those two things are inextricably linked. To be a follower of Jesus, to give your life to Jesus Christ, means you become a member of his family, the church, and a local community of followers of Jesus. So you're asking yourself the question, If I give my life to Jesus Christ and become part of this community called the church, what will that experience be like? What will it be like to be part of this community of followers of Jesus? What should I expect? Well, here are three things you should expect. You should expect to experience a community that cares about you and cares for you with a depth that you may not even have experienced in your own family. They will do everything they possibly can to get you established as a follower of Jesus. They'll do everything they can to care for you so that you grow as a follower of Jesus. They will go after you when they see you straying. They will do anything to care for you in such a way that your life as a follower of Jesus Christ flourishes. And even though you have just joined that community, you're the newest person maybe there, they will treat you as if you are the most established and the most important person in the community. And even if you never rise to a position of public prominence, You are to all intents and purposes most of the time, almost invisible in the community. They will treat you as if you are the most significant person in that community. And they'll do that because they want you to grow and to flourish as a follower of Jesus. What should you expect? You should expect to encounter A community of people who care about you and for you. Secondly, you should expect to find a community of people who'll be honest with you. Honest with you, not because they want to put you down, but honest because they want you to hear the truth so that you'll be built up and so that you won't wander and get lost. And be hurt or even destroyed in your faith. So they'll have the awkward conversations with you. They'll take you on one side and speak to you. And sometimes you'll see in their faces this is really painful for them because having honest conversations with people when we're really being honest for their good can be really hard. And if needs be, they'll involve other people in those conversations. They'll do anything and everything so that you hear the truth about what you're thinking and about what you're doing. And they'll do that because they want you to grow and to flourish as a follower of Jesus and because they care about you. So you'll experience a group of people who care about you, a community of people who will tell you the truth. And thirdly, a group of people who will never give up on you. Never give up on you. However much you embarrass them, however much you upset them, however much you cause them pain, however much they're tempted to roll their eyes when they hear the next thing that you've done or you've said, and how many ever many times you come back to them and come back again and come back again, even repeating the same things that you've done and said before, they will always have you back. Always. They will never, ever, ever give up on you. That's what you should expect to find if you give your life to Jesus Christ and become part of a local community that we call the local church, part of the family of Jesus, a people who care about you with a depth and with a costliness that you've never experienced before people who are honest with you for your good, even if that's costly to them, and people who will never give up on you. That's what you should expect to experience if you give your life to Jesus and become part of a local church. Wow. Question. Why would anybody do that? <laughs> Why? Why would a community treat you in that kind of way? Well, here's the reason. Because this community of followers of Jesus Christ realize that you are precious to Jesus. And they realize just how precious you are. I, uh, I went into Playtime on Tuesday, and uh, Playtime is our parent-toddler group, it meets on a Tuesday morning and the place was packed out, it's really flourishing. If you want uh, a boost to your day, go to Playtime. Uh, you probably need to get a badge first because of, you know, child protection and all that kind of thing. They need to know who you are, but go along and have a look. Um, there's a great work going on there and there were all these little children around. Uh, and I don't know about you, but there is something about little children. Little children as opposed to slightly older children. Uh, there's something about little children that just lifts your spirits, isn't there? The, the, you, you can't help but think, wow, aren't they amazing? Aren't they precious? Aren't they stimulating? Isn't this wonderful? Can you imagine a world without little children? They bring joy into the heart The followers of Jesus Christ are his children and they are precious to him. Have a look at what Jesus says in verse 2. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them and said, Surely, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Followers of Jesus are his precious children. And the community of Jesus Christ realizes that about you, Even though you are new to the community, you've just joined, you've just given your life to Jesus, they realize how precious you are to Jesus. Little children are very cute, aren't they? As I say, they bring a smile even to the faces of their parents sometimes. My daughter was uh, saying that uh, our granddaughter uh, had gone out and... uh, she, she, she was with somebody else, and so uh, so my daughter our daughter Harriet, was tidying up the, the apartment, and she opened the door of the fridge and inside the fridge alongside the milk and the other things was a book. <laughs> 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 they're cute, they're precious. It is hard not to be moved even by the children of our enemies, isn't it? But children are also very vulnerable, very impressionable. It is so easy for adults to crush little children, to crush their creativity, to crush them in all kinds of ways, emotionally, mentally, physically. They are very vulnerable and very impressionable So it's no wonder that you see here something of the passion that Jesus has for his children. Verse 6, if anyone causes these little ones, one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Some of us, I think, need to have a revision of our view of Jesus. When it comes to his children, he is passionate about them. Yes, he recognizes that in this world there are things that are going to affect followers of Jesus that he will not protect them against. It's part of the experience of being this world. And in this world, it's a dangerous place for followers of Jesus. He recognizes that. But look at what he says. Verse 7, Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come. They are going to happen. But, woe to the person through whom they come. Jesus says, You touch my kids and you answer to me. You touch my kids and you answer to me. And the community of Jesus Christ understands that You may only just have joined that community. You're the newest person there. You may mess up. You may be the kind of person that so many of us will raise our eyebrows and think, Lord, please send us somebody else. But we realize that you're a child of Jesus because you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you're precious to him and that's why this experience of being part of the community of Jesus Christ should be an experience of people who care about you who are willing to put their lives on the line for you and who will be honest with you and people who will never give up on you in fact they'll be willing to change their lifestyle and behavior if necessary Because you see, as followers of Jesus Christ, they recognize that what they do can help you to flourish or it can crush you, just like an adult can easily crush or even destroy an impressionable, vulnerable child. The members of this community of Jesus Christ, they recognize that if you become part of that community... Give your life to Jesus and become part of them. That they have the capacity by the things that they say and the lives that they lead, to either lead you on further and stronger with Jesus, or actually to do the reverse and to destroy you. And so they're prepared to amend even their lifestyle and their behavior and their preferences so as not to mislead you. Look at what Jesus says. If your hand or foot causes you to stumble, verse 8, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed and crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. The followers of Jesus understand that they can have an effect on other people and they realize that this is incredibly serious. Verse 9, it's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell so they'll be willing to change their behavior, to modify their lifestyle, to put some of their preferences on hold if they think that's going to prevent you from being misled or crushed or for your faith not to grow. Not only that, but whoever you are, they will go after you. They'll go after you. Again, you may only just have joined that community. You're the newest person there. It may seem to so many that you're the least significant person there. But whoever you are, if they see you beginning to wander away from Jesus and put your own faith in in jeopardy and, and risk hurting other followers of Jesus, they will go after you to bring you back our personal cost to themselves sometimes this is how jesus puts it in verse 12 what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for the one that wandered off and if he finds it truly i tell you he's happier about the one sheep than about the 99 who didn't wander off They'll go after you. Why? Because no one's insignificant in this community. And they're all precious to Jesus. Precious children loved by God. Verse 10. See that you don't despise one of these little ones, one of my precious children. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. They'll do all this because they recognize you're not you are significant. And you matter to God. You're the precious child of Jesus. And the world is a very dangerous place for followers of Jesus. And they don't want you to come to any harm whatsoever. Verse 14: In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. And that's why they'll do it. That's what you should expect. People who will change their life for you because they understand how precious you are to Jesus and that they have the capacity to influence your life for good or for bad. People who will go after you. And people too, as I said before, who will be honest with you. Be honest with you. It's very easy to be honest sometimes, isn't it? I reckon it's easy to be honest when you want to put somebody down and make yourself feel superior. It's easy to be honest then. I, Can I just tell you, I thought you did a really bad job. I'm just being honest with you. It's for the greater good. But when it comes to relational things, when you know that this will be hard for the person to hear, so much easier to back off. Or if it's something, too, that involves us personally, much easier to back off. But followers of Jesus will be willing to be honest with you. They'll be sensitive about it. They'll do it privately. They won't want to embarrass you. Verse 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. And if that doesn't work, they'll draw some other people in. Verse 16, if they won't listen, take one or two others along so that, quote, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If that doesn't work, they'll involve the whole community in some kind of way. Verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if that fails, if that fails, they still haven't won you back to the truth If they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Who are pagans and tax collectors? Well, they're people who are outside of the community of Jesus. They are people who don't follow God. People whose behavior is not godly they're outsiders and jesus says you need to teach treat them like tax collectors and pagans they've made themselves by their unwillingness to respond to the truth they've made themselves outsiders so treat them like that so how do you treat tax collectors and sinners and pagans Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has been to a meal where there are tax collectors and sinners and the churchy people, (laughs) the Pharisees, the religious people haul him over the coals. What does he think he's doing mixing with tax collectors and sinners? Outsiders! And Jesus says, That's who I've come for. <laughs> I've come for tax collectors and sinners. In chapter 11, he's described as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He is no friend of religious people who pride themselves on their religiosity, but he never touches their hearts. So, what does he mean to treat these people as tax collectors and sinners? You work doubly hard to bring them them back. That's what it means. We follow the example of Jesus who gave his life for tax collectors and sinners, for the outsiders. I didn't come for the righteous, says Jesus. I came for the tax collectors and sinners. So they'll be honest with you. They'll tell you the truth about your behavior, about what you believe. By the way, some of you might find this other rather unsettling. Uh, We live, it's said, in a post-truth age. We're very wary of people who make universal claims of truth and error. We live in a community, a culture, where we're very wary about telling people your behavior is wrong or your deeply held views are wrong and dangerous. We're very suspicious of the exercise of authority. So this sounds like dangerous territory here, doesn't it? Telling somebody the truth about their lifestyle, telling them the truth about what they think, their beliefs. So why are we to do this well because as i've already said as jesus has pointed out the world's a very dangerous place and there's all kinds of dangerous stuff around all kinds of dangerous untruths that will ultimately destroy people because they're lies at the same time there is such a thing as the truth that's to be found in jesus christ and it's the truth that brings life and people need to hear that we need to hear that as followers of jesus about what we believe, and about how we live. But there's another reason, and that is because Jesus has given us the authority to do this. The authority, the responsibility to tell each other the truth. Verse 18. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, heaven, that is God, says yes to your yes and no to your no. Again, verse 19, truly I tell you, two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. That second bit is another way of expressing the first bit. That often happens in the Bible. It will say one thing, and then it will explain it a different way. So this thing about two or three people meeting together, I've heard all kinds of people talk about this from time to time. You know, we got together and we both agreed, we believed that it was right that God should heal somebody. And we both agreed about it and therefore it will happen. Or I got together with somebody else and we agreed that we should both get a Mercedes each. And we agreed about it so... Where two or three meet together in my name. Actually, we brought a third person in just to make it Trinitarian. <laughs> Increase the possibilities. We're agreed about this. So, God, you must do that. You've promised. It has nothing whatsoever to do with anything like that. Nothing. It is about the people of God coming together to bring the truth to somebody who's straying because of their behavior or because of what they think. And they're a danger to themselves and they're a danger to the community. And so they'll tell them the truth. And Jesus is saying, you've got God's backing on that. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You've got my backing on this. And where two or three people gather, I'm there. You do this with my authority. Uh, By the way, does that mean you can say anything and everything? Absolutely not. Of course not. But you see the point he's making? He's saying, you have my authority to do this, to act for me in being honest with these precious children of mine. So... Why will this community treat you the way they do? Because they recognize that you're precious to Jesus. But there is another reason. They'll treat you this way because that's been their experience. They know that they too are children of Jesus, precious to Him. And they've experienced something of the passion that Jesus has for them. The way that he's gone out after them and sought them out and brought them back. The way that he's brought the truth to them, even when they haven't wanted to know what that truth was. They've only ever ever had the truth in Jesus Christ. And their experience has been a Jesus who never turns his back on them, never says, not this time. He's always, always had them back. That's been their experience of Jesus, and it's been their experience from people in the community of followers of Jesus. There are people who've put themselves out for them, who've put their own lives on hold at times, people who've been prepared to be honest with them, people who've not given up on them. That's been their experience. And so there's something about that experience that gives them a sense of wonder, amazement. How could God ever have forgiven me? How could I ever be so precious to to Jesus? And because of that, there's a certain humility about people like that no sense of entitlement, no sense of superiority, but an extraordinary sense of wonder and privilege that Jesus has treated them like that. And our followers and followers of Jesus have treated them in that kind of way as well. And so out of their experience, out of their thankfulness, they'll treat you like that as well. Comes out of experience. You notice in verse 21, Peter comes to Jesus with a question. Such a good question. How many times, Lord, shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Uh, You you know, how long is this process of never giving up on somebody you have to go on for? Because I don't know whether you've had this experience, but, you know, when people, particularly if they keep doing the same thing time after time after time after time again, it becomes a little wearying, doesn't it? You think, why are people so slow? Why are people so stubborn? Why are people so sinful? I mean, me. I'd have got it before. (gasps) But this is really not good. It's not good for them. It's not good for my blood pressure. And it's not good for the community. So, so how long do we have to do this for? Because it can be dangerous if you have to keep taking people back. What are people going to think? Does it matter? Does it not matter how you live? if We keep having people back. So Peter says, how about seven times? Which I think is really generous. I'm a tour myself, well maybe on a good day three. First time, accidents happen. Second time, I'm beginning to see a pattern here. Third time, you get away with it after that. But Peter says seven. It's such a good number seven as well. Seven in the Bible, sacred number. Look at Jesus' response. Verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. What's Jesus saying? You never give up. You never give up. It's a literary answer, not a mathematical one. For those of you who are engineers or mechanics, you never give up. Is what Jesus is saying. And then he goes on and tells a story. And it's the story that Susie read to us. It begins in verse 23 Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. One of the servants owes a fortune. Why? I don't know. So his life is in jeopardy, his family, everything. He cannot hope to pay the money back. But he goes to the Lord, to the master, to the king, and he says, all I can say is, will you let me off? So the king lets him off. He forgives him the money. Not long afterwards, he comes across another servant, a fellow servant, who owes him a relatively small amount of money. And so he threatens him and the guy says, just be patient with me because I'll pay it back. Notice he can pay it back. He's just got to be patient. But the first servant isn't patient at all. He's vindictive and throws him into prison. We are meant to read that story and have our sense of justice ignited. This is profit profoundly unjust, there's no mercy, he's not treating the servant the way he's been treated. And when the king finds out, he is also mildly cross. Is he not? Which is an English way of saying he is beside himself. He is so incredibly provoked Verse 33, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay the money back. And yes, that's in the Bible. And yes, those are the words of Jesus. What's Jesus' point? All that God has forgiven me is far greater than anything, even the worst that you could do to me. That's the point. And followers of Jesus Christ understand that, or at least need to understand that. What God has forgiven you, the way that God has shown mercy on you is far greater than than any mercy you may need to extend to anybody else. Because you see, it involved his precious son dying on the cross. And there isn't a bigger act of mercy than that. And you and I need nothing less than the cross of Jesus Christ. However good we may think ourselves to be, or however religious And so because this community realizes that God has treated them like that, they understand they dare not treat anybody differently from the way God has treated them. Verse 35, they understand this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So you're thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus and you're wondering what the experience will be of becoming part of a community of followers of jesus what should you expect you should expect a community of people who will care about you with a passion and to a depth that you may never have experienced anywhere else a community of people who will be honest with you even at personal cost to themselves and a community of people who will never give up on you never You know, you may not recognize it. But if you become part of a community like that and you see people behaving like that, you're in the presence of greatness. Because people who are like that are the great ones. People who care about their brothers and sisters in Christ. Who are willing to do whatever they can. To help those lives to flourish and to grow even at personal cost to themselves people who are honest people who never give up on you those are the great ones look at what jesus says in verse one of chapter 18 at that time the disciples came to jesus and asked who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven what does greatness look like and jesus responds is to call a child he called a child to them and placed the child among them he said truly i tell you unless you change and become like the little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven therefore whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me here are people who will care for you people who will be honest for you with you people who will never give up on you they're the great ones And that is greatness in the kingdom of heaven. I began by asking you to imagine that you weren't a follower of Jesus Christ and you wonder what the experience of becoming part of a church would be like. I want to finish by addressing those of us who are followers of Jesus. This is what our community should be like people who care regardless of who this person is who's come and who is part of the community people who will give themselves put their lives on hold even sometimes make sacrificial choices so that other people will not be led astray and so that they will flourish A community of people where there's honesty. Not so that people are put down, but so that people are built up. A community who will go after people who stray. A people who will never give up on whoever it is in the community. That's what we should be like. You know, if we want the people around us in Willoughby and beyond to hear the message of Jesus, the good news in Jesus Christ, to hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel, we need to tell them. There are some people who will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ unless you tell them because God has placed them in your life and not in another Christian's life. We are to tell them. We need to tell them, but what we tell needs to come out of this kind of community, of a people who are care, who care, a people who are honest, and a people who never give up. If it doesn't come out of that kind of community, and to the extent that it doesn't, we jeopardize the message. When the church, as we say, here is not the church then people are not going to listen to our message and why should they? And so as we say around here, the church needs to be the church. A community that cares, a community that's honest, a community that never gives up on each other. And out of that community to tell people the message of Jesus. There are lots of things that are wrong with the church of Jesus Christ. Lots of things. There always have been. Read the letter to the seven churches at the beginning of Revelation, in case you don't believe me. It's always a struggle against sin, against being squeezed into the mold of the world. All kinds of issues. But you know, I can think of no greater need in our generation in our part of the world, than for the people of God, the followers of Jesus Christ, to dedicate themselves to this task of making the church to be the church. People who care, people who are honest, people who will never give up on each other. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'll write your word in our hearts. It's for our good and for your glory. And it's for the good of our community. When the church is not the church, the community suffers because they don't really hear the true message of the gospel because they don't see it being practised. And so our community suffers. So Father, please help us each to play our part in enabling the church, this church, to be the church. And to do that more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This is-